0: Yes people, how are you all doing? I hope you're all doing really well. Welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. So today we are joined by another very special guest, natural bodybuilder and online coach who is currently in contest prep, Steve Hall. Today we talk a bit about his recent competition. He was in the British finals a few weeks ago and we talk about how it went down what his thoughts about the competition were and where he's kind of leading to afterwards. We also mainly touch upon his whole fitness journey. So Steve had an accident a few years ago, which led him to kind of change his sporting journey and switch over to more bodybuilding style approach and learn him to be obsessed with the process of it all. We also touch upon life balance, balancing bodybuilding work and also his life and how over the years he's got a little bit better at it. Touch up on how he became friends with Eric Helms, Mike Israel, and also how he built his business to the point it was at today, or it is at today. And finally, the big question, if he has ever been tempted by steroids. Plenty more topics that we touch up on, so hopefully you enjoy this episode. We'll jump straight in. This is Process. Process. <laughs> Yes, people, welcome back to process. We are joined by another very special guest today, natural bodybuilder, online coach, who is currently in prep mode at the minute. So his time is very valuable. So appreciate him coming on. Steve Hall, welcome to the podcast.
1: It's all good. You're distracting me from food, from my feet hurting, because there's like, I don't know, you lose body fat everywhere. This is my thought. I've lost like body fat on the bottom of my feet. That's what it hurts standing now a little bit. Uh, and yeah, you, you're a welcome distraction, and that's why I'm looking like I have like I don't know, I've been away on holiday or something because I recently competed, so I've got uh, yeah. the kind of post show
0: glow <laughs> going yeah. on. It's always a good thing, probably making the most of that time when you're when you're that lean and stuff, getting photos and stuff like that, because you're always looking quite good. Your face is always that's the one thing that I always notice for myself is when I get lean, is always the face that comes in, and then when I start the game, where it all goes straight back to the face, which. Yeah, I think most most lads probably find the same sort of thing. Um, So obviously talking about competing, we talked about just before the podcast, how was your last competition? Because you had a competition on Sunday, you placed fourth. Obviously, we'll touch on it later, but um, how was that for you? How was the whole show and how was the kind of result in in terms of yourself?
1: So if I kind of draw it back, because I think this relates to my experience, if I draw it back, like my first competitive season, 2014, I competed with this federation, the UK, the FBA, And at the time, they didn't actually have qualifiers. They just had, I didn't realize this, it was completely new to everything, but they just had like a, a finals. So they just had one show. It was an international UK finals. And uh, I went and did the novice show there and I placed fourth out of that uh, novice show. And then I competed 2017 and I made it through a qualifier. They had qualifiers now, and I came third at my qualifier. And so I decided, screw it, I'm going to go to finals anyway, even though thinking about it, if you come third in a qualifier and you're already like at your peak leanness, do you have much more to give? But anyway, I decided to go and I'm really glad I did because I came fifth at the kind of international finals. And now 2021, and uh, I came fourth in the UK international finals after qualifying and winning my qualifier. So that felt amazing to win the qualifier, fourth place, was a little bit bittersweet Uh, an improvement obviously upon previous times uh, but i felt like maybe my physique could have got more than that Uh, but it, it it's all out of your hands this is what we're talking about when you when you get on a bodybuilding stage you have to realize it's subjective the judges are have their own opinions on what they're looking for and you can't control who else is turning up on stage it's like you've done everything, you've done your process, you're either proud of that or you're not, you're ever proud of the physique and the improvements you've made on previous kind of uh, seasons in terms of how you look or you're not, it's you versus you and this is definitely what I promote. But I definitely had a, I want at least top five. If I didn't get a top five, I would have been pretty kind of, yeah, I would have been very disappointed without a top five considering how I'd done previously and how much I'd improved. And then I, I really wanted a top three. And so to come forth was like, ah, oh, okay, kind of a bit bittersweet. Uh, but like I said, like you can't control what turns up in the day. And when I reflect upon my even just stage weight, my stage weight was basically 10 pounds up on 2017. So that's a good chunk of muscle mass. And it's very evident in my physique as well. And I consider if I had turned up with my 2017 physique this year, I wouldn't have been in that top five, not a chance. Um, I would have been one of the guys in the back kind of with uh yeah nothing kind of to show for it. in some ways you have photos you have the experience which are more important than the placing itself uh because i mean it's for people like six months normally to just say on average you that you're in prep for and you have what i don't know less than 30 minutes on stage so if you're not enjoying or you're not getting anything out of that entire process and you're just doing it for that 30 minutes of that trophy you're going to be bitterly disappointed and i think that's why possibly a lot of bodybuilders don't stick around in a sport for that long because they kind of maybe focus too much on the uh kind of the outcome and that goal versus the process and what they can kind of take away from that so yeah in, in a long way of answering that i'm very proud of the physique i'm very proud of what i brought to stage and my process i'm disappointed with the result and gutted about that but i have another show in like a week and a half now and let's see what i can do there see if i can get a top three and yeah
0: we move forward and just look to always improve yeah spot on i was going to say bodybuilding if you're getting into it for them reasons like you said for the reward it's not really worth it it's all about doing it for yourself you if you're looking back your 2017 physique and you are improving 10 pounds of muscle for a natural athlete for anybody especially when you're already at a decent level is it's a lot it's a good amount of muscle gain and um, so like just take the improvements from yourself and like I said if you're doing it for other things and you mentioned the word process by podcast the process that's one of the big things that's one of the reasons that I fell in love with not just bodybuilding but training and that because the process of it is what kind of helps you along the way in life there's so many things you can take from the process of training of getting your nutrition on point and also I always find when I'm dieting I'm a lot more productive I kind of use it because everything's so regimented and I'm tracking food, I'm tracking steps, I'm tracking my sleep, all this sort of stuff. I'm a trainer, obviously, that everything else seems to kind of fall in place nicely in my life because I'm kind of all um, focused on everything. So there's a lot that you can take from, not just obviously bodybuilding, that's the extreme, but even just training in general. So it is all about the process. And if you if you end up loving that, then the rewards will probably end up coming kind of as, as a second part of it. Um, but we'll touch up upon a bit like your story. I like going back and diving into where the whole kind of journey begins for you so in terms of training in terms of fitness obviously i know you've got a story to tell about your accident you had when did training start for you not just in terms of bodybuilding but fitness in general
1: so yeah it's a tricky one i i'm not a tricky one i've always been into sports like i just love being active i was an active child i wasn't like i think you tend to get the extremes of you're either super skinny and you got into it or you're like overweight and that's what got you into it and I was definitely on the more skinny side like I like you could see my rib cage I'm I'm like I have a quite a big like bone structure but like I had nothing on it really I was like skin and bones I loved sports and I was pretty decent at them not like amazing I wasn't like your classic jock like top of the class I was in the mix I was all right and so I played like various sports I know you said you played football at a high level and professional for a while Um, I was actually scouted back when I was younger for Charlton Athletic uh, when they were in the Premier League and so I was playing at like a high level for that time um, but I couldn't continue that because it was like a crazy commute from where I was into London and with school and commitments it it didn't work out so anyway I've always been into these things like I I love all of that I didn't actually get into the gym until I saw I think it was like two of my mates basically uh, when I was almost 16 and they were like coming back from the gym I was like what are you doing they're like oh we're kind of training with weights I was like I want to do that and I basically got hooked from doing it at that time my split at that time was like I had a kind of free weight day and then a cable day and then chucks them like treadmill sprints every now and then so I had no clue what I was doing Uh, I remember like sipping boots bought protein shakes boots pharmacy bought protein shakes in like the like toilets to try and hide it from people thinking I was doing something like cheating or something. And uh, yeah, it was I I was clueless at the start. So I did regularly weight train, though, from about the age of 16 and I'm 31 now. So it's been a a while in the game, to be fair, Uh, but I didn't take it super seriously. And I was doing lots of other things. And I went to university and I tried like rowing club. I played football whilst I was there, did running club while still doing my weight training and in the mix of all of that in my second year and this comes to where I kind of really fell fell in love with bodybuilding was uh, I was on one of these kind of 10 kilometer runs that I would do around campus and I had my Garmin watch on had my like Garmin like heart rate monitor and so I took my running seriously at the time and I could see on the Garmin's they would have this like a a shadow of your previous best time so it knew where you were on like the race so you'd kind of race against yourself and like beating yourself and this just tells you what i'm like like every single time i do this run i had to beat my previous self every time every time so i was on to beat that and so i came to some kind of uh, traffic lights really close to the end literally probably like uh, less than a minute from my flat and i went for it it was flashing amber and i looked right and there's a a van and it hits me so i ended up smashing their windscreen uh, but i came off definitely worse so i have some scarring on my elbow uh, and on my blower back i had uh what's it called Uh, i've got prep brain so i I forget (laughs) words a fracture i fractured my skull that's what the word is fracture and uh, i was taken into hospital and released quite quickly actually Uh, after like a couple of days, but I went home and I can just remember feeling completely out of sorts, like just wanting to be on my own. And then kind of had like a somewhat of a bit of a panic attack uh, in the evening, I was uh, like puking up a lot and just was in a really bad way and then got taken back into hospital for which I stayed for almost a month uh, because they found I had low sodium levels so I bruised, they think, my pituitary gland, which just controls a lot of hormones within the body, including kind of electrolyte balance. And if you have very low sodium, you can seizure and you can die. Like it's as simple as that. If you mess around enough, like if you, it's like a water toxification. You, you drink enough water, you can get low sodium. You can people have died from that because um, they're playing stupid games and things. So I wasn't allowed to be released until my body was somewhat able to normalize like safe levels. And then I was on fluid restrictions and some medication. Uh, I can remember my fluid was like a 250 mils a day. So I would have a, a little bottle of innocent juice, uh, but it was water. I just filled it up every day. And this was like, that. that's all I could have. And I can even remember having like, I ate some watermelon and it really screwed me over because I, like, I didn't even think about the fluid that was in that. And I felt really bad for like a day. It was a horrible time, really depressed. I know you said you like talking about mental health and this was one of the hardest times of my life. I wasn't enjoying life at all. Uh, I didn't want to be doing anything. Uh, I didn't want to be there. <laughs> like, I, I can remember saying like, I, I had thoughts of not wanting to be on the earth and I didn't care about living a life and it wasn't fun at all but i continued persisted moved forward and during this period of time i started recovering from it uh, eventually like getting better and better the body was kind of recovering itself Uh, i guess the bruising they think died down on the pituitary gland or what have you and i started getting back into kind of weight training i I still was trying to do it i do remember going back into the gym uh, for the first time and i couldn't even like bench the bar like i just i didn't have the coordination and things like this just had it all gone so I was basically i say i started when i was 16 but at this point i was 20 again so I, i basically come back to ground zero and lost any small amounts of muscle mass that i'd grown during that period of time and i started learning more so i started kind of finding fitness forums finding out about bulking and started just pounding away tons of food so i remember gaining out of hospital a ridiculous amount of food like people saw me and they're like what the hell's happened to you because I came out like a skinny really chiseled face like really slim and within a year I was up to the heaviest I've ever been in my life and I was like disappointed if I didn't gain like seven pounds in a week like I was looking to gain weight like aggressively I was like if I eat clean food I'll gain clean weight that was like my mindset so I just pounded the food pounded the weights still was doing a little bit of running here or there because i was like oh cardio burns the fat you know this was what i was thinking and uh i wasn't particularly happy at this point i was like i've just kind of got fat like i gained back the muscle i lost and more probably but uh i was not in great shape so then i started cutting down uh, and learning even more i found bodyrecomposition.com which was a mcdonald's website i just digested everything on his website read article after article and back to back to front and just yeah was obsessed and started finding people like Matt Ogus on YouTube he directed me to like Eric Helms and 3DMJ and I was just obsessed now with like this natural bodybuilding and uh, flexible dieting I was like man I don't have to eat like a complete and utter bro and oh calorie balance I shouldn't be eating quite that much I just learned so much but you can think I Yeah, I did the extreme kind of fat bulk folk, if you will. Uh, And then I like did like the complete keto diet with like refeeds of tons of carbs on the weekend. And I just had no understanding of what I was doing, but slowly I was educating myself. And by the time 2014 came around, and in this time I decided to like continue my studies. I, I delayed some of my exams, but I still did them. And I graduated and I got an office job. Um, for which I was commuting to like every day and still getting my training and still doing everything and eventually got to a point where I was like I want to take this to stage so I at that time was also like I love this I want to become a personal trainer so I educate myself uh, through I think it's like the YMCA did their courses on the weekends uh, when I wasn't at work and uh, became a one-on-one PT and kind of uh worked within a gym and uh, on the gym floor for probably about almost a year and in that time also competed in 2014 and it was kind of a test to myself the reason I really wanted to compete was like can I get to stage and recover and become healthy and like if I can do that then I can do anything with my body like I've like done the ultimate test it was almost like that it's like to prove to myself that I was well and truly recovered from the accident and I did manage it And I was like, man, I love this. And if I can do this in like the worst position possible in a route, like basically at ground zero and build myself back up to the best physique I've ever had in my life. Like I can help other people do this because I've been through it all and I've educated myself and I understand it. And that's why I really went down the personal training route. That's where the name revive stronger comes from because I revived stronger. Uh, And ever since I've just been obsessed about educating myself more, helping other people and spreading the word of evidence-based fitness, because there's a lot of shit out there (laughs) and uh, there's some really smart, educated people doing amazing work. And I'm so grateful I get to speak to them on the podcast, share their message, and try and also dumb down some of the science and share that with my audience, because I think a lot of people get frustrated and they go down routes and paths that they don't need to, that are unhealthy or unnecessary, and it can be done in a really healthy way and you can develop a physique that you ultimately never thought you could get to. I didn't think I'd ever get to the point I am now, but after that kind of consistent hard work effort, nailing things, learning, adjusting, uh, yeah, you can do a heck of a lot. So yeah, that was kind of the background where a Life Stronger came from and then like a big
0: jump to yeah where it is now. No, we appreciate it, Obviously opening up about your, your dark times and stuff. I see it with a lot of people, however, who are successful, especially, especially in the fitness world, they always have, some sort of obstacle or some sort of dark sort of period that kind of leads them to this obsession. Like I know for myself, it's a similar sort of thing with my injuries in football, and I had to take a time away from it, retirement, and I became obsessed with finding the best things to kind of work rehab wise around my injuries. What can I do to to keep on training and manage my injuries? What can I do nutrition wise, sleep wise? Work? Like you get so obsessed in it because you want to try and find the best methods, which I think is what leads people to get to the top level. And when like normal people see like myself i do mobility and stuff every single morning i try and get my steps and all that so i've got a very regimented routine and people ask like why why do i do that how do i how do i get to that point i can't see myself doing that it's because i kind of feel like i have to which is probably like similar to yourself you probably felt like right i've had this obstacle this thing that's happened in my, in my life and obviously i enjoy my run, but i need something else to fill that gap and i want to keep on pushing myself to the limits i want to find out every single Sort of way or variable that I can kind of get it around So you do get obsessed with it, which is a great thing, but like you said, there's there's healthy ways to do it and there's obviously other ways that you can do it. Uh, which is when coaches come come perfectly into play, which is probably why yourself obviously led on to becoming a coach so successful with Rise Strong and then it's another reason why I've got into coaching just to help others with, with, with not doing the mistakes that I made myself. Um, And I'm guessing the exact same thing. Where was was your, sorry, go back to your personal training. Where was your first personal training job one-to-one and how did it go to start with? How did you find one-to-one personal training? So yeah, in regards to bodybuilding, it was because
1: I felt completely out of control of my body. And so I got obsessed and I'm still obsessed with the fact that I can control like nutrition, like you said, sleep, training, if I control these variables, I get an outcome. Like, And I love that because this is probably one of my worst traits is that I get very anxious when I'm out of control. Don't like any scenario where I'm out of control. Um, definitely a control freak. Uh, so yeah, it, I felt completely out of control of my body and i lost all confidence after that accident. So I, I kind of gave up the running and all of the like, cardio and these sort of things. And that's why bodybuilding is just like I, kind of a safe place for me where I could really build myself up. Uh, but in terms of my, yeah, becoming a personal trainer. So I became a PT actually in my home gym. So I was still living at home with my parents at the time, which was lucky to allow me to transition into a lesser paid job. And, uh, yeah, weirdly enough, I think it was uh, a blessing in disguise in some ways because I was in prep and I was very ignorant to the process. I didn't realize how tired and grumpy and moody I would get. And so I'd be very happy for clients not to turn up. I'd kind of put off even trying to do like various like uh, sales and things like this. And it's hard enough going into being a PT when you're an introvert and not super confident, let alone in prep and not having any energy. So that actually led me to go online because some of the kind of other kids, I guess, um, or guys a bit younger than me saw me getting like shredded sh- saw me lifting and they're like this is new this is different he's doing like squats and deadlifts and benching and like these big compound lifts we're just doing arms he looks like that he's losing weight how's he doing it so they'd ask me questions and then i'd be like why do i program for you we'll take this online and so i picked up clients that were like basically guys a few years younger than me from the surrounding schools started coaching them online And that's where the online side grew. And so I slowly transitioned out of like being a one-on-one PT and was finding uh, being behind the desk to suit me better because I get to sit down and also just, I I love programming, I love like data collection. And I found that's a better skill set for me than being kind of in a gym and on a gym floor. I didn't enjoy one-on-one PT, but again, I think now it would probably be a bit different story. I think I'd be a lot more confident have much more like energy and understanding uh for being a one-on-one pt and i might like a mix of both but i was kind of put in a, a situation where that was it, i was never going to succeed as a one-on-one pt but i wouldn't change
0: it because now i'm super happy with the career i've developed with the online business yeah i was gonna say you should be you're doing pretty well for yourself Miss, so don't <laughs> worry about that yeah Tim, it's weird you say that you were quite introverted when you were younger, when do you like? how do you think you built up your confidence? Cause that's one thing that a lot of people, not just in terms of fitness, but just in general, when you're quite an introverted person, it is hard because it seems as if it's kind of the right thing to be as extroverted, there's a lot of pressure to be kind of, especially with social media, be out there, be confident, be this, that, and the other. When did it kind of change? What helped you kind of become a little bit more confident in yourself? So
1: I think just experience is the main thing just time in the game, doing it more and more and more. I even think of it like a really acute scenario. It's like show day. I think in my previous kind of season, show day was always a bit of a like, what should I be doing today? What like what variables matter? What, what's gonna impact my look? Should I be having like this burger and fries before I get on stage? What's that gonna do? Should I have some alcohol? And now I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing today. I know exactly what variables I need to control. And I see other people like, they're like, oh, I'm gonna have like, don't know, seven bags of crisps before I get on stage because that really seems to peak my look. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm really like not convinced by this or what have you, like, I, I'm just like, that's probably just a way to get loads of sodium in and you're probably gonna drink a bunch and that's gonna boost your fullness and hydration. That's gonna give you the vasodilation that you want for stage. So it's things like this, just experience and time in the game and being consistently working and trying to be better. Uh, so for me, I actually started a YouTube channel years ago and i started vlogging years ago because i was inspired by matt Ogus. so when he was doing his i started like just doing bits of videos and like a bit of educational content because that's what i've always liked just just, like educational content Uh, i'm not really one of those like lifestyle type of vloggers i tend to like to help people i just that's where i feel comfortable uh, and that's what i like to do so i think it was just doing that more and more becoming confident in myself who i am And I still won't say I'm like the most confident person. I'm certainly not an extrovert. I'm still introverted. But when it comes to social media, I I don't find it hard at all getting on camera. Don't find it hard at all getting on podcasts. I used to for my podcast, like get anxious. And I used to get a big sweat on before every single one. And I might do for some guests who maybe I haven't spoken to before. But now I'm pretty calm, pretty laid back. I feel pretty confident about it. Presenting in front of like an audience would be different though. Like a live audience, that stresses me out. And again, I think that's because I just don't have a lot of practice doing it and it's, I am just that type of person, but I think if I was to do it more often, I'd slowly build up the confidence and feel better about it. So yeah, mostly just exposure, putting yourself in stressful positions, you're adapt, just like in the gym, uh, the same can be said
0: for kind of putting yourself out there as a personal trainer i'm exactly the same in terms of podcasts i get that anxious it's weird so like i was speaking to my missus before saying before the podcast i'm like i get so anxious especially when it's someone who i've like followed for a year a few years or i kind of look up to and i follow the stuff i get anxious and then when i'm in it it's like oh right this is all right this is not too bad i spot i was lucky enough to speak to chris will who's got or chris williamson he's got the modern wisdom podcast uh, there was a talk he done um about two weeks ago i spoke to him and i said like like, how do you do it? He's on I don't know, three, you're on quite a number of podcast, podcasts as well. He's on about like, three, 400 podcast episodes. And he spoke to like James Clear, Jordan Peterson, like some big names. And I'm like, how do you like control the anxiety and stuff? He's like, mate, before Jordan Peterson, I was trying deep breathing. I was trying this, that, and the other. I tried cold showers, I tried this. And he was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm, I'm anxious today. I'm just going to be anxious for this one. And he was like, right, I scripted how I was going to like open up. And then after that, it was like, same as script, welcome to the podcast, Jordan Peterson, blah, blah, blah. blah. Then he was just like, oh, right, now I'm in it. So it's kind of nice to hear that there's people like that, like yourself, who still do get anxious and you admit, and obviously when you started podcasts, when you started doing other things that you do get anxious, it's just putting yourself in them zones, like you said, them kind of things that are areas that are going to be uncomfortable to start with. But the more you do, them, they'll get more comfortable and you become more confident in them. And then just like you said, with, with public speaking, that's still going to be something that you're a little bit scared of doing. It could be re- applying it to different things. So it could be someone who's never been to the gym before. getting Going to the gym, just walking in the gym for the first time could be that uncomfortable thing that you're going to get really anxious for. But once you do it once, even if you're going for five minutes, that's five minutes more than you've done yesterday. And then the next time, try and do 10, just build it up. So again, looking at people like yourself who people look up to, myself looked up to, seeing that you, you are, you've been in similar sorts, of mindsets and situations before and getting out of it. Um, obviously it is a big inspiration and in, for anybody listening can probably take that and and kind of put it into their own life definitely in insert here so bodybuilding wise i'll put one of the questions was what's your why for bodybuilding I, I like to ask people what's the reason why they do stuff do you think it was something that you just kind of got obsessed with or do you think there's there's a reason Do you you think you could have applied the same thing to like running if that accident didn't happen? Do you think you would have been as obsessed with that sort of um, sport rather than bodybuilding itself?
1: I think there probably would have always been something. I have quite an Mm -hmm. obsessive personality, so I have few interests, but when I go into those interests, I get pretty deep. So bodybuilding is definitely one of the the big ones. So I, I definitely think it would have been some sort of, I love challenging myself physically. So there would, be, there would have been something that I would have got into. Uh, and yeah, running probably would have been, may have well have been the one. And for specifically bodybuilding, though, my why was to build up confidence after the accident, like I said previously, uh, to give me the control. And I fell in love with those. Like if I control these variables, I get these outcomes and then the, I can get deep into and bodybuilding is like no other sport. I was saying to my girlfriend that she we we're preparing for one of my shows. I was like, if I was doing like a football game, I could just kind of go to the game. I wouldn't have to like measure out my fluids, make sure I've got my salt shaker with me, make sure I've got all my meals laid out. Like I wouldn't need all this extra crap, but bodybuilding is like everything influences your look. You have to have every variable nailed to a T, which I love. So I, I love the kind of like all-encompassing nature of bodybuilding and how you have to be on your game every day. And I love the fact that every day I can kind of be progressing towards a goal. If I get to the gym, if I get my sleep, if I hit my nutrition, tick those boxes, I'm a better bodybuilder than I was yesterday. So for me, the biggest why was to kind of prove to myself I was recovered from an accident. And then now it's a case of, just bettering myself every day, and I I love that, and I love the challenge and the pursuit. And part of my reason why now is as I've become a little bit influential, I guess, within like our niche, I want to be that voice for or that inspiration for that person who isn't genetically blessed, isn't like winning their first season, second season, but someone who just loves bodybuilding and they love the pursuit and they want to keep going. And that I can be that kind of, I guess, in a way, a bit of a shining star of if you really persist, if you really are consistent, if you love it, you fall in love with the process, you can exceed your expectations and do well and be competitive in this sport. And you can make it part of your life and it can be a really positive thing because I think a lot of people get into it and they just fall out of love because they're like, ah, like I'm not that great, but you don't truly know your potential until you're a decade deep. Once you're a decade deep, now come to me. A decade deep doing things seriously, ticking the boxes, the main things every day, uh, I think you'll be surprised how far you can go. So I, I kind of like being a little bit of a kind of a, some, a bit of hope for the natural guy that is just your average dude that wants and loves
0: the sport. Yeah, the consistency is the key thing that i always want a little course that i like to say is enjoyment leads to consistency consistency leads to results if you fall in love with a process or something you're going to end up like doing it for a long long time and if you consistent it doesn't have to be some people think you have to train seven days a week kick off four training sessions a week obviously still be on track with your nutrition and your, your diet and your sleep and everything on top of that but be consistent over so many years and you're going to get somewhere like for yourself you've been training bodybuilding seriously for what like eight years Plus or whatever it's been. Now you've been that consistent with it. You've got to that point. And I remember I've listened to a few podcasts from a few years ago with yourself talking about I'm not really genetically got the best shape for bodybuilding. Like I don't believe I do, but you've just placed fourth in obviously the British finals. You've got something else coming up and you, are only going to get better from there. So if you, if you are saying that, like, and like you said, you just want to have, you want to work with people who have that passion and have that motivation to actually just keep on doing this and you never know where things can, um, can go. Obviously, like you mentioned before, you're quite, you like the obsessed, being obsessed and being very regimented and having, picking all the variables and data and stuff. Does it ever get to a point where it's affected your life balance? Maybe, I don't know, trying to go on holiday, taking a time away from being so obsessed, or maybe if it's influenced relationships with family, girlfriends, friends, anything. Has it ever got to a point where it's been like, right, Steve, I need to kind of give myself a little bit of time away from this regimented lifestyle and, and balance it? It definitely
1: used to when i had less understanding of like flexible dieting that that like when i found flexible dieting and the fact that i could vary from like even just like tuna to chicken or like lean beef like just opening up those sort of scenarios was a game changer for me uh so there was a time where my sisters and my mom were concerned that i had like an eating disorder because it was like my foods or no foods. I would take Tupperware to family gatherings because I wouldn't eat their food, I would be rude. Uh, And yeah, I'm very glad that I got out of that place. And it took me a while to transition and get comfortable because I found a lot of comfort in my food. Uh, Because like I said, my body was completely out of my control. So I knew if I ate what I deemed as like good or productive or what have you, like I was in control. So, I still like that element. And I by no means think that I still like I'm perfect now and I have a perfect balance, but I have a balance that I'm comfortable with and that people around me are comfortable with. So, I do think like I make decisions and bodybuilding definitely makes me a little bit less flexible than other people for sure. But I'm happy with that decision. Like, I'm okay that that's part of what I want to do. I'm okay that. I might ask my mate if we want to go, I don't know, a week in the lakes, can we drop it during my deload versus dropping it like a couple of weeks sooner? Uh, like, and they're okay with that. If they weren't, then it'll be a case of like, can I be as flexible to do that? Do I want to do that? Uh, but yeah, going on holidays and things, I still like, I still keep an eye on what I'm doing. I think once you're kind of in the mix of it and you've been doing it for years, it's hard not to. Uh, I I would say. I track to a fault in terms of my nutrition and my precision in that it's productive, I think, definitely. But I would say to a fault because I find it hard to switch off in terms of like a, I always like to think of it like a dimmer switch where you're either fully on or like, you're not fully on or fully off. But I do find it hard to dim it all the way to being a little bit more off, uh, like in a, a scenario where that is a case is maybe like post-show. Once I finish all my shows this season, I really want to just switch off and go and enjoy like a Domino's or something. And I find it really hard to do that. I will be like, no, I want to hit my macros for the day. And our post show is, has never been a challenging period for me because I've just been back on the money. But part of me would like to dim it a little bit. Part of me would like to be like, no, I can enjoy some free meals. I can just jump on a little bit more body fat. I don't need to, you don't even need to think about all of that. You can just have a couple of days off. It's okay, Steve, but I find it really hard. And I think part of that has led to my success as an individual within my career and also within bodybuilding. But like I said, I think it would be nice if I could pull it back a little bit, if I could be a little bit less obsessive, if I could be a little bit less dialed in, but I don't know if I could successfully do that and be where I am at the same time. So yes, it's very previously, it's taken like away from relationships and it's been a burden for family but now I'm way better at managing everything and keeping things in check. And basically I I take it to the point where it's not causing a stress, like my nutrition, my training and everything. I try and fit it, I try and make it a lifestyle. That's what I try to say. Um, And that's what I try and do for all my clients, kind of put myself in their shoes, try and make it a lifestyle for them, whatever modifications we can make to make it as optimal for their scenario. And that's what I do. And I'm just fortunate I'm in a very, like controllable scenario where I work for myself work from home so I can make uh kind of decisions and be quite selfish but like contest prep for example that is at least a few months of that where like I'm not eating out with my girlfriend uh we're not kind of our relationship changes for a period of time I'm way more focused on like needing to do my steps even down to like my dog my relationship with my dog is not In the best place because I go for walks and it's just a functional thing. Like, I'm not enjoying that walk with the dog. It's a case of, I need to get these steps in. Don't you be sniffing around here. I haven't got the time. Like, let's go. And she's probably like, oh man, he's pulling me all over the place. Whereas previously I could like stop and pause and enjoy that walk a little bit more. So, yeah, by no means is it kind of completely balanced. There are times at which it's incredibly unbalanced, like now, but there are times where I can being far more free and I will take a whole week, like go on holiday and I want to do that. And next year I want to go like traveling for a period of time and take more time away from, it's hard as a self-employed person as well to take like, even like taking two weeks off scares me. A week I can just about manage, but I'd like to take two weeks off and two weeks off like the gym, like and training. But I don't know if I'm in
0: that point yet. I'm, I'm the same as that, I hate it. I think, you know, I think in this day and age, there's probably a lot of people who do have this sort of I can't, it is kind of like a mental health issue with actually taking time off because everyone's pushed right Brian Brian Gary V sort of lifestyle you've got to be on it all the time uh 16 hour days for seven days a week sort of thing you've got to be always on it and when you get used to that sort of regiment, you get so regimented and so stuck in a routine that when it tr- you try to back off you're like I don't like this like I like my routine I feel like I'm bored like I can't switch off and do these things but if you get like Life isn't about working and being 100%. There's, there's, there's other things out there that you need to see. Um, and in bodybuilding, a great example, I think, in terms of building discipline, obviously, especially when you're on contest prep, it's like six months. Get your head down. Pretty much, it's going to be pretty much no life balance. You are 100% focus on something, but after that six months. I'm going to back off and I'm going to enjoy things, which I think people need to learn about. I'm a big believer in you need to have a good long period of sacrifice if you want to get to a certain level. Like for people to open up a new gym, you're going to have long days, especially as a PT. It's going to be long days PT, working, setting up gym, setting up your classes and stuff. It's going to be tough. But once you get to a certain point, you might be at a point where you can maybe employ some staff to take a little bit of workload off you. Then you can back off a little bit and enjoy. But it's just having that balance. And then again, relating it to football, because I've got a few listeners who like the football in season. You're going to have to be quite strict with yourself. You might have international break where you have maybe a week off. You can go and enjoy yourself there. And then when the season's finished, you can enjoy yourself there. Which is having that life balance and also every so often put little things in to look forward to. Like I've got a, we've got a trip away to Edinburgh at, at Christmas time. It's something that I'm kind of working towards. So well, I know if I work really hard up to that point, then I've earned it in my own head and I can back off and enjoy that long weekend away and, and not feel as guilty. Um, another question, what's your, what's your relationship with alcohol? Like, do you drink? What's your, is it something that you dabble in here and there? So
1: I went through a period of drinking a fair amount from the age of probably 16 to 20. Where i had or maybe even 15 where i would drink like and i had a bad relationship with alcohol like it was a case of like i'd binge and then the next day i'd like purge i'd go like exercise purging as well like doing runs to try and burn it off uh and i'd yeah drink like i said i'm obsessive and it would be a case of if i'm drinking i'm getting smashed and that would be my relationship with alcohol not that i had a problem or anything it was just like a very typical kind of teenager i think mm-hmm. uh but after my accident i was on fluid restrictions for like over a year so there was no alcohol involved during that period of time it couldn't happen and so i basically became teetotal after that uh, i wouldn't say i'm teetotal if there's like a celebration or i'm at a wedding and there's like a cheers and have some champagne i'll do it <laughs> as long as i'm not dieting uh, like i definitely do it and like i'll might enjoy like a single cider or something if i felt like i wanted to but I no longer drink to get drunk. My goals in bodybuilding and getting the best sleep and uh, the best like muscle protein synthesis, all those things uh, are just way more important to to do that. Do I, would I like to, like maybe even have like once or twice a year where I just gonna get, just fuck it, just like completely just go there. Yeah, I think I'd quite like to do that. And I'd probably try and plan that in a period of time where I'm like in an active recovery phase or something where it really didn't matter. Uh, But like I said, I'm kind of perfect to a fault. <laughs> so yeah. I think I'd find it hard to even do that. So, yeah, I don't drink, really. Uh, if someone
0: mm. was to ask me, like, do you drink? I'd be like, nah. Yeah, I think it's it's quite of, as, as much as it's not a good thing, it's a good thing to get the drink out of the way when you're younger, especially around that age. Cause I've done a podcast with Jack Thorburn as well, and he had a big spell when he was younger, where he used to like the drink a lot like a lot and then now I don't think he drinks at all these probably tea so he's very obsessive again with his routine and stuff so kind of getting it out when you're young is sometimes a good thing um but for myself I was always dead strict obviously I was playing football when I was that age so I was quite regimented like didn't really drink in season and stuff and then it kind of got to a point where I was like got the urge to do it because I've never done it so that's when it's hard to kind of control it so if you're young enjoy yourself I would probably say that but if you do want to take the sport seriously that's when you need to kind of think like right, is this drinking going to affect my goals? What, what's my priorities here? Is it this bodybuilding show? Is it, I don't know, getting in shape for someone's wedding or a holiday, whatever it is, you just got to prioritize things, but it's, it's, it's fair play. If anybody who goes completely teetotal, I've got massive respect for you because there's a lot of social pressure as well to actually have to drink in social situations, um, which I'm a big believer in. Like if you, if you can't have a good time with certain people without alcohol, then have a look about like who you, who you surround yourself with. Yeah.
1: 100%. Yeah. I I found it harder first, but I think it was more in my head than anything else. Mm -hmm. And then people kind of get used to the fact that you don't. (laughs) (laughs) But it does disappoint some people. But like you said, I think you maybe said, like sometimes look at the people you're hanging out with if they only want to be with you if you're willing to get smashed and slaughtered with them. If that's not your interest anymore, find someone, find a group of people who
0: like are more similar to you. And yeah, I think I've, I've managed to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, would you say your circle now is a lot of people within the industry? Do you have a circle outside of, obviously, the fitness industry? I know you do, obviously, podcasts with some of the big names out there. Would you say your circle is more in, in the industry or out of it?
1: I have a couple of select friends who I, like, hang out with. Uh, and, like, uh, like I've, my best mate is my mate from school, from, like, a young age, and he's not in the industry at all and obviously my girlfriend uh she's completely outside the industry and they're, they're the two people who are closest to me and then i have a few other kind of friends but yeah most of my kind of like real friends like pascal for example my business partner like they're right within the mix of the industry the other coaches on the team revive stronger kind of team and most people i talk to on a daily basis are in the industry so yeah i have mostly a circle of people who i talk with who are industry-based but there are like a select number of people outside as well and i I love having them because they keep me kind of a bit more grounded a little bit less just like blinkers on and bodybuildings everything so uh, i appreciate them a lot
0: that's exactly what i was going to say i've got probably a similar mix having the people outside industry just to be like right brennan you're getting a bit obsessive now this is a bit too much because when you're in it and you're seeing everybody being so on it and getting looking so good on instagram and they're in the routines and posts and stuff you want to be like that you want to be 100% on it but again instagram is always just a highlight real. they probably might be doing bits and bobs that they're not showing so having people just to hold your back is probably the best thing a good balance of the two definitely And um, so we'll talk a little bit more about bodybuilding more about the fun stuff now so in terms of your training i noticed that you you've always kind of trained in just a generic let say a generic gym like the gym is it the gym group that you normally go to train at majority of the time yeah i've been
1: in uh since i moved into london i've only had access really to commercial gyms mm-hmm. so and then before that it was my home gym which you would consider another kind of commercial gym and since moved to Vauxhall, we've been here like three years it's been the gym which is like a i don't know just yeah. over a five minute walk away but the closest like bodybuilding gym is probably in tooting it's yorkies and that's probably like 45 minutes door-to-door so mm-hmm. it's just yeah unfortunately
0: the gym has been my gym for a while that just goes the shows a lot though because the, the industry these days everyone's trying to get quite i feel like quite fancy with things obviously there's benefits to doing things like cuffed exercises reverse banded banded exercise and stuff like that why i know obviously you add a little bit of it but why haven't you went down that route specifically do you are you very kind of i'm like very tra- not traditional but i like the way that i train i don't feel like i need it is there a reason behind that reason that you haven't went down that route sorry
1: uh, i have tried various things so i have tried banding various movements i have tried uh, using cuffs uh, i own bands and cuffs and uh, things like this and i i do dabble in bits of that kind of more i guess ultra biomechanic specific style of setup i'm not fully convinced that the kind of juice is worth a squeeze in most scenarios I think in a well-balanced training program with your machines, your cables, your dumbbells, your barbells, the need or necessary, uh, the necessity or need for doing these other things is just not there. Uh, I think there are specific scenarios where it can definitely help. So I might suggest someone band like a hack squat if they are having like trouble at the bottom with knee or lower back pain or something where you can kind of uh, deload the load at that point. But I think a lot of the time it's just, not necessary uh, because i am that person who will try and milk and squeeze everything out of everything but i just haven't found or seen the true benefit to these and maybe i haven't tried it sufficiently enough uh, but i'm very confident and comfortable with kind of the exercises that i've been using and the way that i vary them and program them within a microcycle, so that i'm getting kind of the same benefits that maybe these people are trying to get but through a different means uh, so yeah, that that's mostly why
0: uh, I just haven't gone down that route because I haven't seen the true benefit. It's working for you at the minute, anyway. What you're doing, you can obviously you see you've gained ten pounds a month on the last what four years, whatever it's been. It's just so easy to get sucked in it because a lot of the competitors. Like obviously AJ, he's he does a little bit of reverse band and stuff and cuff stuff as well. So looking at people who are in the similar sort of field, they've went down that route as well. So it probably is easy. But if it's working for you, there's no need to overcomplicate things. I think for especially for beginners, just ticking off the basic movements and not all the things. And then down the line, maybe five, ten years down the line, you can maybe look into it. And like you said, if it's if you're getting injuries and stuff, it's always something to look into, try new things. Um, But for me, it's whatever you enjoy. If you enjoy doing them, um, banded exercises, if it obviously touches your ego a little bit when you can stick an extra few plates on or <laughs> stick a reverse band on. But whatever you enjoy doing and whatever you can stick to, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely say is, is, is the best way. And it's obviously work for yourself. Um, you mentioned a bit about, obviously macrocycles, mesocycles, and stuff. How do you structure your training? Um, well, especially currently in terms of when you're prepping, do you structure it in terms of increasing volume over time, increasing um, or lowering the RAR, reps and reserve? How do you program your your sessions at the minute? So I like to look at it as like a principled-based approach
1: in terms of like the base being specificity. So everything within the program is towards hypertrophy. So muscle growth, uh, I have to look at every exercise, every like rep range, every amount of like total set volume that I'm doing for the week. And I want to be like, I'm doing that because that's the, ultimately the right answer for hypertrophy. So if there was like a bozo ball squat, it'd be like, is that the best movement for hypertrophy? I don't know. Or if there was like 10 sets of back squats through the weeks, like, is that the best like stimulus to fatigue ratio for hypertrophy or could you pick a A better movement there so everything in the program needs to be specifically towards hypertrophy Uh, and then next important is overload so it needs to be challenging so i definitely work within uh, an absolute intensity but absolute intensities in terms of like uh, load on the bar or rep ranges almost doesn't matter for hypertrophy uh, so long as you get your relative intensity in check so your proximity to failure essentially as long as you're training close enough to failure pretty much one up to like 40 repetitions, I think is within the research of providing a sufficient dose uh, of absolute load for hypertrophy. I don't train as low as one rep and I don't train up to 40 reps. I like to be in a bit of a tighter, kind of more productive band than that, an efficient band. So I tend to work within like a five to 30 repetition rep range and rarely actually go above like 25 reps. And that'll be exercise specific, kind of uh, phase specific as well that I use that Uh, And then in terms of overload, so like I said, you wanna be in a close enough proximity to to failure. So you wanna be at least like, you could be maybe as far as, as some research would indicate being as far as five reps in reserve or five reps from failure. For me, that's a little bit uncomfortable. It's a bit too far away, a little bit too arbitrary as well. Again, research will show that people aren't great at estimating reps further away from failure, especially at higher repetitions. The more advanced you are, the heavier you're lifting, the closer you are to failure the better people are gauging this. So I like kicking things off at three to four reps in reserve at least, and then looking to progress things and training to zero reps in reserve. You may hit failure on some movements uh, where appropriate as well. So specificity, overload, and then like progressive part of that. So always looking to challenge the body get an extra repetition here an extra amount of load uh, where you can until you need Then fatigue management which is a big core principle as well so I will use deload periods so once I get to like a point of which basically you're pushing your body to its absolute, absolute limits in terms of the amount of volume it can do you're completely like in terms of proximity to failure you've got no more reps in reserve. Basically, your fatigue is very high, which is leading to a drop, potentially a drop in performance, at least a stagnation in performance. So, next week, if you tried to come and beat these numbers, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you just kind of maybe maintain at best, but more than likely you'd see a detriment in performance because fatigue is so high. So, I do use deload periods to then come back into a periodized cycle of making sure we start with a minimum threshold kind of for overload. And for hypertrophy and then from that threshold make things harder over time and work with an amount of volume that is again meeting that threshold for growth and then built over time in order to regulate it based off your recovery and your capabilities to your limit deload come back in and cycle and then my kind of periodization model would be summarized as whatever's giving you the best stimulus to fatigue ratio at the time so in terms of like loading parameters maybe Starting off heavier at the start of your mesocycles gives you a really great stimulus to fatigue ratio. So you're getting really good pumps, really good disruption, you're progressing really well, and it's not beating you up a ton. After an amount of time, those heavier weights might start really beating you up. So you might decide, right, I'm going to kind of go to a slightly higher repetition range. Maybe I include a bit of hack squatting alongside my back squatting, or I move the back squat, go to a hack squat, kind of allow me to get a better stimulus to fatigue ratio. So any variation to rep range, to set numbers uh to exercises would be kind of auto regulated best to get the best stimulus to fatigue ratio. And that's how I periodize, is basically to promote the best stimulus to your fatigue. Because if you're doing that, it's best bang for your buck. That's the best hypertrophy you're going to get for the fatigue you're producing, because everything has a cost. And you need to balance that through volume. And yeah, that's, yeah. I guess, a, a quick summary
0: of how I like to program. I don't know if that answered the question. No, no definitely. I'm going to say that's one of the big things that I've especially since I first started training to now one learn is that one not every exercise is just like stimulate the same every exercise has its kind of fatigue costs in terms of like a hack squat or barbell back squat is going to be a little bit more taxing than like maybe a leg extension or a hamstring curl or something like that that's one thing I just thought like right if I'm doing a leg exercise that's the set kind of amount of fatigue that I'm going to get for that one another one is manipulating volume like I thought right if I stick to don't know, even like when I was starting out, it was like 20 sets a sessions, something ridiculously high, which I think we all did, especially on the chest days, adding so much volume in that you just can't recover from it. And you just feel like, right, I need to do that for every single session and I'll be fine. But like you burn out, you don't have enough time to recover. So not starting off, like I always get when I get new clients and I always start them with like literally like two sets, maybe per exercise and they're like, oh, is that all we're going to do? But I'll text them the next day saying, actually, my legs are quite sore, like something like, and I'm not used to this kind of thing, but starting off that lower volume, and just kind of seeing, like, right, how do I, how do I feel after the session? Do I have a little bit of soreness? Obviously, soreness isn't always an indication of if you're actually stimulating the muscle. Sometimes it could just be, you're not used to that movement, but how do you feel after that? And then if you feel okay, right, maybe we'll start up in the volume or up in the rep range or whatever it is, and just manipulating things. So yeah, education is massive, which I think the likes of yourself of the 3DMJ, uh, Michael's hotel, they're some of the big names, and big people who I've followed over the last few years who have really put the education, the science-based approach into bodybuilding. And, and obviously, people around are obviously learning as well. Um, so yeah, credit to yourselves for obviously looking looking into that. How um how did you end up getting to kind of know obviously um Mike hotel Eric Helms? How did you get to meet them? Was it through podcasts or was it through just literally just reaching out to them? was one thing I'm I'm keen to hear about. So with Mike, it was interesting
1: because I think I had read some of his work. I read the scientific principles of strength training, which kind of blew my mind at the time because it really broke everything down into a, it kind of cut through the matrix as it were of strength training in a way that I'd never seen before. And so, uh, me alongside, uh, someone else who was in the industry, uh, Mike Samuels wanted to bring Mike over and James for a seminar. And so we brought him over. Uh, for the to the UK for the first time in t- 2015 I believe and I met him for the first time in like a sushi uh, I think I think it was sushi it was in like a yeah I think it was a sushi restaurant I was like I've never had sushi and I came and sat down he was just like huge guy like eating tons of food and all that like holy shit so this was my first kind of time meeting Mike they did the seminar after the seminar there were some questions kind of left from some of the uh, attendees and I asked Would you be interested hopping on a call recording it we would put it out as a podcast and we did it and we loved it and we just got off really like we just really enjoyed one another um i think he's quite extroverted and we balance each other really nicely because i'm introverted but he pulls me out of my shell and i i love mike he's an amazing person great human being incredibly smart very humble and we kicked off yeah with the podcast now he's been over for like three seminars Hopefully we'll have another one at least next year um, to get him over again. And then after having done that with Mike, it kind of built up a bit of confidence to reach out to other people who I've spoken to online in the industry. And so kind of started reaching out to other people to come on uh, who i had been to their seminars. So they used to be quite frequently like seminars with Brad Schoenfeld, uh, Eric Helms came over a couple of times. So i'd met them in person like this shy kid being like hi i'm steve hall and then i'd emailed them being like so i've got this podcast would you come on and they're like yeah sure like you're a good guy like let's do this so then i started getting them on and since like growing the confidence to bring people on the podcast i just like to reach out to people and anyone who i think has a great message or kind of is evidence-based and has really good knowledge that i want to share on the podcast i'll bring them on so long as i follow them i've made the mistake enough times not too many times, but sometimes where I'll bring guests on who I, I don't really know very well and I regret bringing people on like that because uh, it doesn't give them justice and also the audience and myself, it's not as good a conversation, so it's definitely just people I know in the industry, potentially met them or we've just talked
0: like who I've never met in real life, but uh, we've spoken a lot on the podcast. Yeah. So you had John Stewart on not too long ago as well, who's a, yes. is a big name. And he was like, yeah, I've been following you, you're following your podcast for years. And like, I can imagine what that's like for yourself thinking like, bloody hell, yeah. like someone like that's obviously been following me. It's it, obviously, it's a lot of respect to yourself for what you've built, but it's kind of like that, like kid meets his hero and you're like, well, you, you know who I am sort of thing. It's kind of weird, but yeah, it just goes to show that just reaching out to someone, that's something that like I've been kind of forcing myself to, because it's quite like, it's nerve wracking when you're messaging, you're like, kind of hoping in your head, like I hope they don't reply because it's going to be a big kind of one of them things that you get nervous for. But when they reply, it's like, right, I need to kind of get my get my shit together here and put it together. But yeah, just reaching out to people is so important. And I think in the fitness industry, there's, it, there's, it, there's a lot of good people out there who will like literally have you a few people and be like, yeah, yeah I'll come up come on a podcast like yourself. Like didn't really have to exactly try too hard or anything like that. It's not like trying to get a girl on Instagram or something like that. So <laughs> no, it's, not, it's <laughs> not like that. Not like I would not like I would know what that is. Um, but it's uh, just reaching out to, to good people in the industry and they will obviously if they want to help out people because you've been in the same situation as like myself trying to grow a business and a podcast um so no i appreciate you coming on coming on today yeah for sure it's fun so in terms of last question before we jump into the the three questions at the end did you have a look at the three questions by the way i brief i actually like hitting questions fresh so I yeah. quickly
1: looked over things, but no, I didn't really, so I can't remember them, but I know there's some quick fire ones. I yeah. like hitting them fresh for some reason. I just feel, I I get a bit like- I Like overthink. the pressure.
0: Yeah, I overthink <laughs> otherwise yeah i think um james smith says something like that like when he's at a restaurant he doesn't actually look at the menu until the waitress asks him what he wants he just likes that <laughs> sudden rush of like right what do, oh, to, what do i need i'm the
1: opposite to that i i look at the menu before i get to the restaurant
0: <laughs> I've, already, I've already planned my nando's over for tonight so don't want to put the nando's later on so i've planned it already got it in my my fitness pal uh, but yeah in terms of your your coaching business when did it really start to kick off like really take off for you that's a good question um
1: I would probably say it was in conjunction with doing the podcast with Mike. I would probably have to say that because I think the podcast really helped us grow. I think we helped Mike grow, or I helped Mike grow at that time, and he helped me grow. I think that probably was like, because it was information people hadn't really heard packaged in that way before. I think now a lot of Mike's concepts are very well known to people. But at that time, it was kind of news and so i think that maybe was when things really got going to be honest Uh, apart from that probably the step before that when i moved out uh, of home and moved in with my girlfriend and i was barely making enough to afford the rent was i would be writing and i'd get noticed in the personal training development center they'd pick out my articles as articles of the week Uh, and quite regularly i'd be on there like every couple of weeks they'd be picking out one of my articles which was awesome So I actually started out in written format before I started uh, podcasting or any of the videos. So um, I think those two things were things that really helped the the business grow.
0: Mm -hmm. No, perfect. It is. It is interesting. I just find it interesting how people kind of take off. So it's just putting good content. I think anybody who puts good content out, it might take a little bit longer, especially these days with that saturated the market, especially like growing a podcast, YouTube, Instagram, everyone's trying to do it. but in time as long as you're obviously trying to reach out and interact with people within the fitness industry who are maybe got a little bit more of a following which will help you it'll come eventually if you're putting the right knowledge out and people people know the ones who aren't and who are um and one quick final question as well which is a bit of a a bit of a cheeky one obviously your natural natural bodybuilder the big question is have you ever been tempted by going down the assisted routine and steroids and all the performance enhancing drugs it probably is very very appealing to go down that route have you ever been tempted yourself only as far as
1: just it sounds cool that's Mm -hmm. about as far as i've ever got uh and i i've had a spoke to someone on a podcast like why why have you chosen to stay natural and i think a big part of it is just ease of like accessibility i have no one close to me who's enhanced i have no idea the first step to get hold of this stuff like i, I just it's not like i can go to the supermarket like why i've been every in venison or something well it's not in my supermarket it's like I, I don't even know where to begin i don't know who to talk to i don't know how any of this stuff works so for me it's just nothing i even ever think about so the temptation is actually almost non-existent because i don't even think about it as an option so Yeah, no. If I had a mate who, like, I don't know, if I lived, say, like, I don't know, neighbors with Mike and, like, with Jared and Charlie and we trained together, I have no doubt I would have thought about it heavily. I may have even gone down that route. Who knows? But because I'm not in that vicinity and I've no, like, I don't have, like, a mate or someone close to me who's doing it. um, Like, I'm close to them, but not in proximity. So, and we don't, I don't talk about that stuff. It's all just the, kind of, stuff we're talking about so i just had yeah complete ignorance so no yeah. I've never never <laughs> apart from being like that would be cool i just don't even like i've not taken a step
0: to like learning about it or how yeah. do i get hold of it anything like that yeah you've built and you've also built like a name in the natural bodybuilding fitness community you would kind yeah. of like lose that as well i don't know if not people would lose respect for you but you would kind of lose that kind of like target for you know i mean which is a, a, another thing but yeah i'm the same i've never been to an archive quite like the fact of see what I can naturally actually, what level can we actually get to and how much can I push myself? I don't see it as cheating. Like I have massive respect for anybody who goes down that route and it's a lot of obviously health risks. So there's massive respect to anybody who does it properly as well, obviously in the, in the, in the right ways. Uh, but I've been telling myself know it's just, it's just staying natural and seeing what I can do, obviously unassisted as well. So we'll jump into the final final three questions. So first one, three people that you would like to invite round for dinner or go out for a coffee with or have round for coffee.
1: Oh God, this is an interesting one. So I think probably, I don't know why this person, this probably, this person comes up with everyone, but he's just been doing some bits with Vanity Fair and it's been like awesome, like The Rock. So Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, he just is a a really cool guy. Um, I'm gonna say Mike Isretel just because I don't get to hang out with him enough. And uh, I'm gonna say Eric Helms because I've never had a really good chunk of time one-on-one with Eric and, Eric and Mike are great together. And then yeah. I think they'd appreciate
0: having The Rock there. Yeah, it could be interesting talking about training because The Rock's training volume is probably a double what everyone yeah, else Yeah, we talk about cheat meals and yeah.
1: <laughs> training volume and his abs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd no, be ridiculous. That'd be a good conversation. And um, next one, three people you'd want to train with.
1: Uh, so I'd love to try training with hmm, who? Maybe uh, Dorian Yates. I think it would be mm-hmm. pretty cool to just get an idea of like, how did he really train? Uh, and yeah, do some bits and pieces with him. Uh, Jay Cutler, I think would also be someone who I think had a really cool training philosophy and is, is in still prime shape and ha- had a great, great physique. Uh, and then I'm going to say Brett Freeman. Uh, he's a natural bodybuilder, a really good friend. And I would just love to just train with him and have a good time. Yeah.
0: That'd be class. That'd be decent. And then last question, one thing you would say it yourself five years ago. Um, <laughs> Ooh.
1: maybe keep going, uh, keep working, keep doing what you're doing, be more confident in yourself and don't give yourself such a hard
0: time. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. Nice little message. Do you want to quickly shout out your Instagram podcast, YouTube, just where people can obviously find yourself?
1: Cool, yeah. Thank you again for the chat. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so ReviveStronger.com is our website. So you'll be able to find our coaching, our member site podcast everything over there uh so if people are interested in that go there if you want to see more from me probably revive stronger on instagram is the best place team revive stronger has all of our coaches uh, as well and you can get some more kind of uh information over there and then the revive stronger podcast youtube or over on any kind of uh podcast provider you'll be able
0: to find the podcast on as well so yeah that's that's probably the main pieces Perfect. I'll put all the links in the description and the the show notes down below as well. But Steve, thank you very much again for coming on, especially like I said, when you're in, in prep mode at the minute, time's valuable at the minute, so we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Cheers so thank you very much as always if you listen to the full podcast and thanks again steve for coming on absolute pleasure for him taking time out of his day especially in contest prep for coming on the podcast so as always we'll finish the podcast by just saying thank you again for anybody who's liked comment shared anything to do with the podcast if you did enjoy this episode or any of my previous episodes remember to always share it on your instagram stories tag myself and the guest so my instagram is at Brendan Pearson Fitness. again all the links to everything are down below in the show notes Coaching to YouTube to Instagram, everything is down there. If you can share the podcast with one friend, one family member, share it on Facebook, in a group chat, send it over as an iMessage, WhatsApp, whatever you can do to share the podcast would mean a lot. So, thank you very much, as always, for listening. This has been Process.